Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, Dave Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And very specifically, we really talk about demand generation, which I had a great conversation with someone the other day. They said, is demand generation lead generation? I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. Demand generation represents the whole spectrum of engagement and growth. Demand creation, demand management, and demand expansion. So we talk about these methods and technologies for driving growth to help you become a better marketer, to help you become a hero. And I'm very excited with our guest today, Drew Nicer is going to be joining us, and we are going to talk about B2B marketing and his new book that just came out called Renegade Marketing. Please welcome. Are you ready? Woo. Are you ready, Drew? I, hello. I so hello. Wait, I, is there like boisterous applause going on that I'm not hearing? I think. Well, let's let's see. Can I do that? Oh, there, there it is. Yeah. I love that. All right, everybody. Yeah. Welcome, Woo. welcome to the show, Drew. How are you? Thank you. I am great. It's delightful to be here. I you're see the you're... only thing between me and my Friday night martini. I just want you to know that. All right. Well, we 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 have to we have to dip for a second then and ask a very important question: olives yes. or onions? Uh, well, tonight it'll be olives because we're overstocked. Oh, all right. Blue yeah. cheese, garlic, pimento. What's what's your martini? You know, olive? I'm a big blue cheese olive oh, fan, right. but I have to stuff those myself. And you know what? When you go to a good restaurant and you say, you know, they ask you, what would you like in your martini? And you say, blue cheese olives. I've had those experiences where somebody goes, oh, sorry, we don't have those. And I'm like, we got blue cheese on the menu <laughs> and you have olives. And then they're like, ah, yeah, I'll make you a few of those. And I love that client experience. And hey, as we talk about demand gen and B2B marketing today, what's the thing that matters most? Really is client experience. Always, always matters most in yeah. terms of long-term uh, growth. So if you don't know Drew Nicer, uh, as I said, Drew wrote the book Renegade Marketing, uh, which we are going to talk about uh, today. And and your subhead for the book is 12 Steps to Building an Unbeatable B2B Brand. And I got to say, most of my career has been in B2B marketing, almost all of it, except for a little bit of B2C. Uh, you, you said something the other day about marketers and CMOs. And can we start there in terms of the vision, your your north star of, of where the what you think about CMOs in the world around us. What'd you say? Yeah, so you know, I've been interviewing CMOs for the last ten years. I've interviewed over four hundred and fifty of them, wow. and bless their souls, this is a tough, tough job. It is really hard, and I firmly believe that CMOs can change the world. I literally believe that, and I've seen it. Um, and they do that by driving purpose in their organizations. But you know what? They don't get a chance to do that today. They don't get a seat at the table unless they can do one thing, show that they can drive demand. And it's 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 sad, but it's true. And so, uh, and we could debate that all, all day long, but if you can walk into a boardroom and say, yep, 60% of pipe, that was me um, and my team. And in partnership with sales, life is good for you. Now you can talk about purpose. So true. I was talking to a gentleman by the name of Chris. He's in the private equity space and his firm uh, invests in companies that are around that like 10 to $15 million range. It's a proven business, recurring revenue, mostly SaaS. 
and we were talking about what they look for for that organization who's kind of gotten to that point uh, with the CEO and with a sales team, but maybe hasn't invested in marketing yet. And he talked literally what you said about the only type of CMO that they will hire for their portfolios is those CMOs that are responsible and realize the responsibility for driving revenue and get it done. Yeah. I, and, you know, the, the truth is that you and I could talk a lot about it's very hard to actually separate brand and demand. And, and you know, you could we could have Latney Conant here on and she said there is no demand without brand. But I do believe that a CMO today, particularly a SaaS CMO, needs to be an expert on all the things that you guys do. Yeah, um, They really need to do that. At the same time, I don't think a CMO can be effective and last unless they have this other side of the of the, of the brand. And when I talk about a real CMO's job and driving purpose, I'm talking about employee uh, communications, customer communications, and prospect communications, yeah. ideally in that order. And, yeah. and that's sort of one of the flips that we talk about in the book. In those interviews that you did, yeah, did you find there was dis distinct personas that were the right makeup for a successful CMO from your perspective versus personas that were maybe not not ideally suited? Well, so what I did after the first book, you know, I, did, I interviewed about 100 CMOs when I wrote the first book and people said, Drew, what are the traits? What are they? What are the things that they have in common? And I talk about this in, in my in my second book, which is most of the CMOs that are successful have these four things. They're they're courageous, they're artful, they're thoughtful and they're scientific and they ought to have all four. Um, to really make a difference and an impact. And, and so it's less about their personality because you can be sort of an introvert, but still have courage, right? Mm -hmm. You can be an introvert and still be artful. You can be, and you know, all of us can be thoughtful if we think about it. And, and the science part, uh, you know, the, the issue is if the only aspect of your, if the only trait you have is science, I, I don't think you're going to really be long-term a successful CMO. Mm -hmm. Can can we do like a, a book club kind of, not, not a reading per se, but can we ask everybody listening, by the way, you guys are either listening to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, or you went to demandgen.tv and watching the YouTube channel. We have a playlist of all these. So Drew and I, I'm looking at Drew, hopefully, hopefully you're looking at us. Feel free to comment if you're on the YouTube channel and, and weigh in here, but let's, let's unpack those four traits. Cause you do, you share them in the book and I think it'd be good to, to, to talk about each one. So what, what is the first trait? Uh, the first trait is, you know, courageous. And I, and I talk about courageous strategies specifically. And, and what I talk about in the book, in the first chapter, it's about this notion that the CMOs need to be sort of the Marie Kondo of, of, of marketing. They've just got to clear away the clutter. And what I see in our research found was that you know, marketing has gotten a lot more complicated, but it's not gotten necessarily more effective. And mm -hmm. you keep adding stuff, but they're not. And so we see this peanut butter effect. And so the only way to fight the peanut butter effect is to sort of clear away the, the clutter, focus on a few things that you can do really well. Uh, so, and that's part of the courage. It takes courage to say no, right? It takes courage to say, because your sales guys every single day are going to ask for a piece of content. Every single day, the CEO is going to say, hey, I just saw this. Can we do that? Every single day, your CFO is going to come back to you and say, hey, prove this. And you can get so distracted in the job that if you don't have that, that sort of ability to clear away the clutter and really have some focus. The next part of this element is this dare to be distinct. 
Mm. And this is the other part of courage is that, so we talk about, uh, we did some research uh, two years in a row and said, so how different is your brand from your competition? And 60% said their company and the product that they're selling are different. And they said, well, how different is your marketing? Only 40% could point to marketing that was different. I'm wow. thinking, wait, isn't that your job to differentiate your marketing? Yeah. So daring to be distinct. And this is where, where what you do and where what I think about all the time can come together. You can do demand generation, but it doesn't have to look like everybody else's. Right. It doesn't have to sound like everybody else's. It doesn't have to point to the same things, right? We can be distinctive. Uh, and, and that part of this thing it, today takes courage because it's easy to just do what everybody else is doing. It takes courage to do that. And then sort of the last thing, in this thing, and this is sort of the highest level of courage, is to actually propose and permeate purpose in your organization. And, and that, to me, is the ultimate form of courage. Um, but when you pounce on it, when you pounce on your purpose and you really get there, it's like differentiation happens, good things happen, your employer brand improves, your customers feel better about working with you. And suddenly your demand results are better too. It's just amazing how that happens. I, I like courage uh, as the first trait starting there. And I'm thinking as you share that, and I had a conversation this morning with a marketer who was talking about how thankless the job is and how tired she gets of defending the annual event budget and question about all that money being spent on events, you know, and she was, she was venting to me just how frustrating it is to both feel unappreciated it, to always have your budget, you know, in question, to always have every program in question, to, to not hear enough about how things are going. And what I wonder, you know, around courageous means you, you have to be able, you got to have some pretty thick skin and maybe just spray yourself with a lot of a Teflon <laughs> as all that stuff comes in. It's true. Are you, is it, was that consistent, that kind of sentiment or feeling across these CMOs? Like, is that a, is that something that we all kind of like, in, if we were in therapy together are experiencing, or do you think that that happens when you're in a particular environment that maybe either doesn't understand marketing or is, or is questioning marketing's investment? Well, so I, I want to break this down. You, you know, the surveys of CMOs, I think Sitecore did one and it was like 49% of CMOs last year wanted to quit their job. So I, the, the frustration is real and mm -hmm. it in and unfortunately it hasn't gotten any easier to be courageous um, what I'm sort of pointing to is that part of being able to be courageous is you know how to do your job yeah right you have the skill set so you have the confidence and this is something I think that you know does distinguish if you have confidence that you have a methodology you know how we can do it and one of the things I'm trying to do in the book is say, let's break this down to the really important things. And those things, you can do these things mm -hmm. and you can stay courageous if you have, you know, sometimes you just need a portfolio of examples. And that's one of the things that we try to do in the book is put as many examples so you can say, hey, this guy, this CMO did this at this company. These were the results. And, you know, that it helps them sort of be stronger. And yeah. I think it takes a lot of strength. So I and don't know if I answered your question. You, or not, you did. I, I like when you, when you talked about being courageous as that first trait, confidence came to my head. And when you gave those examples, like you, you do, you need to have the confidence and let's, let's face it, gang, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. You know, you, you, 
their their imposter syndrome is real, especially in marketing, if not across everyone. You know, at times you're gonna may, maybe you were VP of marketing at your last company, and this is your first time as CMO, and you're questioning, can I really do this job now? Well, what is the difference between a CMO and a VP of marketing? Maybe a good topic for another time. But you know, look, you 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 take risks and and you fail and and fail forward when you do. But you got, I love, I love it. You got to be confident. You got to be courageous. And I loved what you said about dare to be distinct and, and find purpose for your organization. Sometimes that comes from the, the CEO. And, and we had our all hands meeting today, uh, as you know, just before this, where I talked about our client experience and some of the things that we're going to continue to do and enhance there. Uh, people have to have purpose. They have to work for purpose. And if you're not setting the purpose for your whole organization, at least, right, Drew, as a CMO, set purpose for your marketing team. Yeah. Give them something to rally and, around. Yeah. And it, you know what? Sometimes it happens that way where it starts in the marketing department and then it rolls out to the whole company because everybody sees this. Real, why is this group so happy? Why is this group so motivated? Right. Why are they killing it? And and you're right. It does help when the, the CEO says, you know, I, don't, I feel like we're not really values driven. We could be that way. Can you help with that? Um, that that's a big part of that. The other thing I was, I was just thinking about uh, as you were talking is I do reference Amy Cuddy in the book and she talks about obviously uh, that you, it's not quite fake it till you make it but it is the sense of pretend like you have confidence and eventually you will yeah no it's a good attitude to have yeah. it, you you can't win in sports unless you believe you're going to win if you don't believe you're going to win you can't win that there's there's a whole psychology there what's trait number two so trade number two is this idea, we call it artful ideation, right? So the, the first part, courageous is a commitment to strategic thinking and being big, a big, bold thinker. Okay. Now we got to get to some kind of execution. And, and when you do that, this is where the artful CMO recognizes first and foremost, uh, there's a chapter called Welcome We. You, you mentioned sports. Marketing is a team sport. You, the marketer, can't get anything done without yeah. the organizational support behind you. So you have to be an artful communicator internally. You know, I love this expression that somebody did, which is, you know, you can accomplish anything if you don't want the credit. Right. And that's this artfulness yeah. from a communication standpoint. Then there's more. Then there's artfulness from a design standpoint and from a wording standpoint. Uh, and I'll, I've talked a long time, so I'll stop here. But there's there's a lot to this artfulness. And I'm not saying you need to be an artist, mm -hmm. but I do. But but there is a lot in that part of this uh, in the book, and and I think in the progression from courage to artful. I like I like uh, in terms of the second trait you said earlier about you can't just be a technologist as the CMO, it's, it's super important to have the technology expertise that's needed today because marketing has gotten so complicated uh, over the past decades and, and more so in the past 15 years than probably any period in the history of marketing, but, but, being, but being artful. Uh, what, when, you, when you unpack that a bit more in the book and from the interviews that you found, what does that look like? What is that? Sure. So it's interesting. How do you show up they, as, as an artful CMO? Right. So one of the things that we did, we asked uh, CMOs, what you know, can you describe your brand in eight words or less? First, simple test. You company's say, oh, brand you or that? their personal brand? A company brand. Okay. Can they describe the company in eight words or less? 
And the, the response rate was remarkably low. It was like less than 40% could do that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's criminal because you know you need to be able to articulate your brand. We call it a purpose-driven story statement in the book. And if you can get that down to a few uh, words and then from there build out like six things you do against that one idea, like a case paper on the case, they're on the case. It's all about being reliable, resourceful and responsive. On the case is the big brand idea and everything they do comes back to that. And I don't care whether they're doing an email or they're doing a demand gen campaign or they are doing, you know, an event. There are some way or another, they're demonstrating this notion of being on the case. And so this purposeful driven story statement where you really boil the brand down and what you're, what you're trying to do and say in, 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 in a promise like way is so helpful. And yet, I'll find, and I'm sure this happens to you. You'll say, what do you guys do? Three minutes later, they're still talking. Oh, yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Well, homework assignment for everybody listening, whether you're in sales, whether you're marketing or, or customer success, can you explain your brand in eight words or less? Probably tough to do. Drop, drop a comment. Let's get the conversation going if you're on the YouTube channel, because it's tough. Um, by the way, now you know why I got all these guys on the back shelf, because these are all different. There you go heroes there's a lot of inclusion diversity there i got i think i represent everything from the supernatural you, yeah it's i remind myself every day of the mission the purpose by looking at that shelf and uh like you said like it's not an overnight thing and we have to train our employees to get there trait number three drew trait number three is thoughtful execution and so let's start with this premise that we live in the world of the give to get world right uh, if just think about Google, what it, you give your eyeballs, they give you the world of information, right? Facebook, they give you social uh, interactions and groups and things. You give them your eyeballs. It's a give to get economy. And so marketers sort of need to recognize that. And we break that down into, again, this is the sort of the big thing that we want the folks to be thinking about is reverse your targets. Employees first, customer second, and then and prospects third. Really? And I know wow. your show is about demand, but I'm telling you that you get there through employees, customers, and prospects in that order. And so pr- this particularly is the case with rebranding. Someone uh, the other day asked me about rebranding. And I, you know, I said most rebranding things are just a uh, coat of paint on an old barn because nothing inside changed. They didn't train their employees on mm. a new way of doing it. And I'll give you a contrasting thing. Aetna came out with a, uh, with a new uh, campaign that, uh, you know, you don't join us, we join you. They spent six months beforehand training every single person on the front line on how to make that real. So if you call up and you say, hey, I'm about to get a knee surgery, I need approval for that. They say to you, great, here's your approval but also everybody who gets knee surgery usually likes to have um, PT. Would you like us to set you up with that now too? Fundamental training that took place. It took them six months to make it real. Now that's what we're talking about when we say thoughtful, if you're going to bring out a new campaign to the marketplace, we make marketing, we make marketing heroes. If that was a new campaign, I'd say, okay, how are you training your employees to do that, right? And if you are not, then it's just it's just words. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I talk about in the book, my favorite tagline that I ever wrote was uh, not my. It was probably the best line, which is uh, for family circle. It was 
where family comes first. Four great, right? The family comes first in the name, family comes first in the idea. But they never executed it. They never made it real. And so it was just a tagline. And so if we're going to take a purpose-driven story statement and make it real, we're going to make it real with thoughtful execution and employees, your Deloitte, you're going to do a university. Um, If you're going to do customer programs and and you're going to really be thoughtful of them, you know, do you have a CAB? Do you have an executive sponsor program? There's so many ways today to celebrate your employees and make your idea real against them that it is. And, and then finally, we can sell through service. You want to generate all the demand in the world? Well, just anticipate all of the things that they're going to need to know through the sales process and make sure you do that better than any of your competition. Yeah. That's just thoughtful. So anyway, so there's of, a lot condensed in there. Totally. Oh, well, one of the reasons that I said and start off the episode where when I define demand gen, and I, and I think we're in a position to do that, Drew. I think we, you know, we coined the phrase, we, we got the name. Uh, it's it's more than just lead generation, so much more. And when you talked about what you just did, it made me think of demand expansion, which is what you do within your install base, which is the majority of your revenue. And if you're not thinking about your customer's journey well beyond them just becoming a customer, what their ongoing needs are and the adoption of your product and service, I had a I had an air conditioning guy show up the other day. He's clearly been trained. We had one of the, uh, the starter went out, you know, $100 part, $250 service. And he gave me his card and he put stickers, by the way, on the devices. So, because you know, that's where I'm going to look when I need a service again. He goes, by the way, I really recommend that you sign up for our annual service. We come out before it's hot and we look through all the equipment and we diagnose things to make sure that you're not going to have a failure during the season when it can be sometimes hard to schedule maintenance. And I said, well, how much does that cost? And he did a great upsell and, and I signed yeah. up for the service um, because I really don't want to have my air conditioning out, uh, you know, when, with as hot as it is these days. All right. Fourth trait, my friend. The fourth trait. Okay. So you can have a courageous strategy and that's very much a, you sort of need to drive that. We get to this, these two categories of artful ideation and thoughtful, where it's a lot about, uh, we, this is where it all falls apart. And it falls apart if, if you don't have the scientific method and we can break that down. And, and, you know, a lot of, CMOs understand this, but I want to break it down in a couple of ways because first there's a measurement issue. There's so many metrics available. You know, we talk about in the book about getting it down to eight metrics, like literally eight, one, uh, two for employees, two for customer, two for prospects and one and two for brand. Next area that we got to deal with is automation. Mm-hmm. You know, the tech stack's out of control. They're not using it. They're over-investing. It's way more than 10%. And, you know, talk about it in the book, it's like, MarTech is not marketing. <laughs> it's for Tool, the most part, tools like, to do marketing. Yeah, that's tools, but it's right. not marketing. Yeah. And then the last thing in this world, and we can break it down a little bit more is testing to triumph. And this was really a big thing. If you had a test budget going in 20% of your dollars were being spent on something other than physical events in January of 2020, you were so ready for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a test budget with something that wasn't the way you used to do your marketing, you were in trouble. You were scrambling. All right, let me make sure that I got it. The four traits so we can make sure everybody's got these, thinking about them in front of them. And and you you gave uh, an acronym in the book, CATS. All right, so courageous, artful, thoughtful, and scientific. Do I got it? That's it. That's it. You got it. You're a cool but, cat now. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> pun, pun intended. 
Uh, do you find that these traits, people have them all? People have some of them? What would you find? Because you know, you're, you're putting I, a book to, uh, I, I'm thinking about someone listening to Mansion Radio and going, am I courageous? Am I artful? Am I thoughtful? Do I have scientific methods? Do I have to check all those boxes to be successful in my my role as, as marketing yeah. leader? Okay. You, you do. I, there's no doubt you do. But what I think you're going to find is you might be better today at one of those characteristics than the other. But the point is that you need all four. And, and there's sort of a, a progression here. Because once you get the courageous strategy down, and you've done that, you've done the heavy lifting to make sure that your story is distinct, right? That you've got this uh, purposeful story statement that can define the brand. And then you've sort of done the artfulness in terms of got the the, the, the ideas ready and the program ready. When you execute, most of us understand the notion of thoughtful execution, but often we sort of fall apart there. Uh, and then the last one on scientific method, let's let's break that down because okay. there, it's it's easy to say, yeah, we gotta be more scientific. And and I every CMO will, will get that and they'll say, I've got all the numbers you want. What happens is the CMO goes to the board of directors and they start their presentation and they're rolling their eyes. It's like, what are you talking to me about this stuff? And so there's there's two fundamental problems. Is one, there's a misalignment between marketing speak and and oh, what a CFO and a CEO and a board, right? Yeah. So, but you can solve that um, for that. And one of it is is to say these are the, we're only going to present eight metrics, and we're going to agree, CFO, and this is really important. And it's funny we're doing a CFO huddles is a thing that I started, which goes back to thoughtful execution. And in, in one of our CMO huddles coming up, we're going to be talking about CFO CMO relationship because mm -hmm. it's so important. Let's like start there, because you need the CFO to agree on exactly the metrics that matter to the organization and have them help you build that ROI model that will go and support that. Anyway, no, let's underscore that. Drew, because that that CFO CMO relationship importance has come up on several episodes of Demand Gen Radio in the last year, and I want to make sure people are hearing that because I think some people are not there yet, and and you got to focus on that relationship. The more that the CFO understands two things: how your investments, how your budget, what that budget is, and where you're using those dollars, and then more importantly, the impact that you're having on driving revenue and driving growth in the organization. Develop that relationship. Can't underscore it, you know, big, big, bold. Drew said it, I wanted to come back to it to make sure that you guys make sure that you are, are, are developing that trust, rapport, respect with your CFO. Because actually getting more money is a hell of a lot easier when you have that. And it's super hard and probably puts your job at risk ultimately if you don't, if you don't have it. Oh, I mean, it's so, it is, it's even more than that. It's like it does, and you know, you've done this successfully when the CFO says marketing is an events, uh, investment, not an expense. And that's, and, and it's clear. And the thing that we talk about with this thing is if you can get the CFO to realize that marketing has an impact on employees and retention, which is a real cost issue right yeah. now, and it can have an opportunity to have an impact on customer retention, lifetime value, upsell, cross-sell, then, and then finally on acquisition, then you can say, oh, wait, we can look at these on three dimensions, right? And then you can have a fourth dimension of brand health, mm -hmm. which is really important on a rainy day. So getting those metrics right is, is important. The next thing that I spent a fair amount of time on in the book is 
this is where marketing got overcomplicated. You know, marketing technology is awesome. But if you look at a lot of tech stacks, you'll find they're using 10, they've got 28. Mm -hmm. And they understaff them and you need staff. There are some that would make you more efficient in lots of ways, but most need staff. Yeah. And so you understaff them. So automate attentively. And then this last one, and this is where it gets interesting. Obviously, most of you have a testing budget. What I'm really talking about is an, a cult, building a culture of experimentation. This is part going back to the purpose. Yeah. You, the CMO, as a leader of the organization, can build a culture of experimentation. And that's why we call it testing the triumph. And that's the last chapter in the book. Because you get that down, if you constantly have 20% of your budget and you have a relationship with your CFO, your CFO knows what your tests are. And they're hoping that you're going to be able to show a 4X or a 5X with one of your 10%. And they're ready because they understand that marketing is an investment, not an expense, mm -hmm. to say, to pull the trigger and say, wow, that's delivering. Let's put more money there instead of adding another salesperson. Yeah. My friend, uh, former client, Nicholas Draca, when he was at LinkedIn, they were a client of ours. We did a lot of phenomenal work for them. And I'm down there one day to give uh, a talk to his group. And it was his marketing hack day or hacking marketing day. And it was to do exactly what you said was he created a culture where anyone within the marketing team could come up with a, with a crazy idea of a marketing program, marketing initiative, come to a board and say, here's my idea, kind of Shark Tank-like. Uh, and they would they would bless a couple of them and they would go try them and then report on the results. You got to take risk in marketing. And that comes back to being uh, courageous. So there's a, there's a lot we're not covering that's in the book. I don't want you guys to think you got the whole thing at Evelyn Woods reading dynamic speed today. But we did cover the the four traits. And you were nice enough, Drew, to say, hey, listen, if somebody wants a copy of the book, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. And, and so reach out to Drew Nicer, N-E-I-S-S-E-R. Um, if you guys are on the YouTube channel, I love engagement. Smash that like button if 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 uh, you like what Drew is is gospel around uh, the findings from from the research and the interviews. But what else are you going to? Uh, what else did you cover in the book that that's going to help us advance our careers in marketing? Well, so one of the things is, is how do you know when you sort of succeeded? And, you know, like we, we talk about this, this notion of cultivating customer champions. And the answer to that is when they believe they are part of an important community, that they want to aggregate with your other customers. And so there's some sort of bellwethers here uh, that are really important in this, this world of thoughtful execution. And, and I really sort of go back to that as the core uh, tenant. And one of the things that we did at the beginning of the pandemic, I was absolutely like, I've been through two, 2008 when business really tanked. It was terrible. And that was right the moment I bought the company out from our parent company. And I knew that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And so we started this thing called CMO Huddles mm -hmm. just because we knew they needed it. We didn't know if it would go anywhere, but we knew there was a need right then and then for CMOs to gather and we built a community. And now CMO Huddles is a business and it's really exciting and sort of life affirming uh, for, for me and, and, and the team at Renegade. It's just, so yeah, think oh. about success uh, from a customer standpoint on building community. I, I love that idea. And what's interesting about B2B versus B2C is you see in B2C a lot more community often than you do in B2B. And B2B, to build it, 
it has to be intentional. Where B2C, it can often happen naturally. You know, if you look on YouTube, uh, I mentioned the software that we use for recording the podcast, right? If you look on YouTube, this is the software that I use uh, is open source. It's free. Um, it's donation-based. There's a thriving community on Discord and on YouTube and other areas around this. So everyone who uses it can learn from one another and get really good at using this software and, and whether you're using it for gaming and streaming or recording a podcast like this. In B2B, do we, do we see those communities? Sometimes we do when it's, when it's intentional. Um, love that you have pivoted from, from running a marketing agency uh, to doing the CMO huddles. I will make sure that there is a link in the description below, both on the YouTube channel and the podcast. If you guys want to learn about CMO huddles, do you have to be a CMO to be in the huddle? You do. It's one of the things that, you know, we talk about in the book, you got to be focused, right? You have to be focused on whatever you're doing. This is, if, you, if you're going to cut through, you got to focus. And so we're focused on CMOs, B2B CMOs only. All right. Birds of a feather. Well, there you have it. Uh, Renegade Marketing, Drew Nicer. Uh, check it out. We've got some links below. When, when did the book drop? The book drops uh, October 5th. You heard it here first. Well, I, I think so. It depends on when you listen to this podcast. But October 5th, 2021, the book drops. Uh, look forward to getting my copy. Thank you for sending me the digital one. I appreciate that. Got it on my hard drive for this weekend. And I feel like I got a nice little private screening. Not so private because we'll, 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 everybody got to listen in. Um, I love featuring marketing books, authors like you, Drew. Thank you for taking your time uh, and joining me on the podcast. Uh, I've featured a couple other books, as you guys know, um, recently. I hope you are enjoying these sessions uh, here on Demand Gen Radio, marketing books and, and books around marketing and demand generation. So I like to sprinkle those in. If you guys are listening to the podcast and you haven't had a chance yet, to visit us on YouTube. Two things. One, yes, we do the video versions of the podcast there on the YouTube channel, but on demandgen.tv, we also feature MarTech and SalesTech. And Drew talked a lot today about how big stacks have got. I like to give you guys these demos of the tools that are out there so you can check them out. Uh, and I invite vendors onto the program. So if you haven't checked out some of those uh, content, I've been focusing on data this month with some of the new data tools that are out there, some that have been around for a while and keep advancing data orchestration platforms. So thanks for joining me on today's episode of Demand Gen Radio. Big thanks to Drew. Uh, be sure to reach out to him if you want to learn more about the CMO huddles or get a copy of his book. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 